Hello again, everyone, and welcome to this, the final episode of the Cotton Companion podcast for 2020. Today, we're going to simplify things a bit and look back at some of the big news events impacting cotton this year. I'm Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower, and as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower Editor Frank Giles. Frank, are you, you ready for a breather here at the end of the year? I sure am, Jim. And you know, this time of year, I think we say this every week, is some of the busiest time of the year for us in, in the magazine world. So it's always nice to take a break during Christmas and uh, New Year's to be with family and friends. But uh, I think in, in our world, it's especially, especially nice because we get, get to take a little breather from all that's going on in work. Absolutely. Well, and it's probably time to give our, our, our loyal listeners a little bit of a breather too, after our last two podcasts. You know, we covered a lot of topics and, and we hope everybody enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. But to be honest, we know they probably ran just a little bit too long. So uh, we're going to try to make up for that today with this, our 86th episode. There's no special guests. It's just me and Frank as we bid goodbye to 2020, uh, which coincidentally is also the theme of our December issue, which should be in your hands right now. But before we go any further, let's take a moment for a short message from our sponsor, Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. Thanks as always to the folks at Phytogen for supporting the Cotton Companion. And now, once again, we're going to turn things over to our colleague, Robin Sitberg, for a custom content interview with Dr. Ken Leger, Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist in West Texas and Oklahoma. Hello, I'm Robin Sitberg of Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. I'm here today again with Dr. Ken Leger, Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist who covers parts of West Texas and Southwest Oklahoma. Uh, welcome back to the program, Ken. Glad to be here. In the last episode, we talked about how phytogen cottonseed offers protection against seasonal challenges that growers might face. Uh, in this interview, I wanted to ask you about some phytogen W3FE varieties that would be excellent for Southwest growers in your area uh, for spring of 2021. Yeah, you bet. Uh, we'll, we'll start off with phytogen 210 W3FE. It's our earliest maturing variety, so it goes all the way into Kansas, but certainly as far south as, as Plainview uh, in, the, in the Texas Panhandle. It offers some excellent burnt wilt tolerance as well as stable micronere for those environments uh, to the far north. Uh, next is Phytogen 350W3FE, probably our most stable performer and most widely adapted variety across the southwest does well on the cap, off the cap, into Oklahoma, all soil types, offers excellent vert wilt tolerance as well as root knot nematode protection and really stable yields across that environment. Next is a variety called Phytogen 394W3FE, really belongs on the high plains, uh, say from about uh, Plainview down to La Mesa, and really offers number one, high yield, number two, very long staple, and number three, our best vert wilt package that we have thus far in our varieties. In addition, it also offers some storm tolerance uh, that's second to none, especially after coming off this ice storm that we had in October of 2020. A lot of that's, that's top mind on a lot of growers' minds. Then finally, Phytogen 480W3FE, if you're below Lubbock or if you're off the cap, this is a real winner. Very good yields, very widely adapted across soil types and 
in irrigation scenarios, offers some great root knot nematode resistance, and uh, has performed very well. All these varieties, and really all of our varieties, are bacterial blight resistant. So there's another uh, issue that you don't have to worry about with phytogen. Well, there's certainly a broad range of choices. Uh, how do growers go about finding out which varieties will actually work in their particular situations? Well, certainly they can uh, contact our local territory manager or their local cot development specialist like myself, or you can simply go to phytogen.com and there's all sorts of resources and information on that website. All right. Well, we're about out of time, but I want to thank you again for being on the program, Ken, and growers can always go to phytogen.com for more information. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Robin, and thank you, Ken, for joining us for that interview segment. It's been a busy couple of weeks in terms of year-end cotton news. Frank, can you uh, fill us in on what's been happening? Thanks, Jim. It's that time of year when the seed companies start sharing news about their new varieties for the new season. We've already had announcements about 2021 plans from two of those companies. Phytogen kicked off things in, on December 8th with the announcement of three new high-performing, high-yielding upland varieties for 2021, two that include the exclusive trait for reniform nematode resistance. Three days later, on December 11th, Delta Pine rolled out five new Bolgard 3 Extend Flex varieties as its class of 21 during the company's NPE Summit, which was held virtually for the first time this year due to COVID. Two nematode-resistant B3XL varieties, one for the southern U.S. and one for the Mid-South in Texas, feature resistance to both reniform and root-knot nematodes. You can learn more about these new varieties at cottongrower.com. And last but not least, a quick call out and congratulations to Matt Foster, who is the new LSU Ag Center Statewide Specialist for Cotton, Corn, and Grain Sorghum. He starts his new role on January 19th. Thanks, Frank. And with that, we're going to take just a few minutes to provide our opinions on some of the top stories that impacted U.S. cotton in 2020. In true talk radio tradition, Frank and I both put together a list of our top five stories, which we will compare and discuss. We have not shared these with each other, and I trust we're not going to get too controversial. So, Frank, you ready to go? Yeah. All right. Give me your number five story. Um, I'm going to say, and this is more for me, you know, I'm coming back into cotton after all more than a decade. Uh, you know, January will be a year back in the cotton fold as editor of Cotton Grower Magazine. And I was editor in the early 2000s to mid 2000s. So it's been a while. So um, I'm going to say uh, cotton contamination is for me. Okay. Uh, just simply because, you know, when I was here prior, you know, the cleanliness, for lack of a better term, of U.S. cotton was a big selling point. But but in that time, you know, the round bell system has become almost uh, universal. And with that comes a little bit of plastic. But uh, the good news is it looks like there's a lot of research and some technology that's going to help growers address that that issue and uh, and get, get ahead of that problem uh, in the future. Well, my, my number five story concerns a couple business announcements. That, uh, that hit the industry uh, started in late June when Winfield United announced that it was moving its proprietary cropland cottonseed business over to its Armor Seed Company brand. 
that's that's basically allowing the company to consolidate its southern seed business under one well-known regional name. And I suspect the uh, the word on that word on the street on that uh, that move has been pretty positive. Then it came up in September, followed in September uh, by the announcement of a new joint venture between Alabama Farmers Co-op, Tennessee Farmers Co-op, and Winfield United again to form Greenpoint Ag. Uh, this company immediately became a top seven wholesale and re retail agronomy company with over a billion dollars in sales, 99 retail and, and wholesale ag agronomy locations across 10 cotton belt states. So in terms of the business side of cotton, those were two, pr two pretty decent sized uh, events this year. Next up for me is the uh, Cotton U.S. Trust Protocol. Coming into that, coming into the uh, industry again, that, that really jumped out at me as a pretty innovative program to, to communicate the good story of cotton and the renewable fiber that it is. Uh, compared to our synthetic cousins. And they, I guess they wouldn't even really be cousins. That wouldn't be the right way to uh, describe it. I, I also have been editor in the specialty crop uh, sector uh, for more than a decade now. And, you know, a lot of the vegetable and fruit uh, uh, growers and industry has sustainability programs, uh, but really not as organized as what it looks like cotton is trying, trying to put together there. So I find that to really be an interesting program and, and anxious to see where that goes. I know this 2021 is going to be a big push to get growers to, to enroll. And uh, we'll see what the new year brings. That's that's good. I do have U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol on my list, but I'm going to get we'll get to that in just a couple minutes. I'm a little, little higher up my list. Uh, number four on my list, quite honestly, is weather. We just had it seemed like an endless stream of, of hurricanes across the, the southeast, the mid-south and south Texas uh, between July and October. Let's see if I can remember the names. We get we had Hannah. We had uh, your favorite. Was it Isaias? Isaias. Yeah, Isaias. 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 Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's pronounced differently than it's spelled. <laughs> Everybody, everybody else has had a four-letter, four-letter name for it. Uh, we had Laura, we had Sally, yep. uh, and then we ran out of, out of, out of, uh, I guess, out of names and started. But then we had Beta, we had Delta, and we had Zeta. You know, so that was that was more than enough storms and more than enough rains and, and enough of them following the same pattern too. It, it almost got it got horribly monotonous. And then also we had some extreme drought conditions in parts of the southeast and certainly. Uh, out in West Texas that, uh, that that left a lot of acres pretty much abandoned and, and useless out there for this year. So so my number four story was was weather. What you got for number three? Number three, I was coming in with China for me. And again, you know, that's not a new new story by, by any measure. But again, you know, we have seen how big a role they play in moving the market. These new uh, trade res restrictions uh, uh, surrounding uh, child labor uh, certainly are raising some eyebrows and could cause some potential disruptions. But but right now, China's buying a lot of cotton, and that's moving the market a little bit. So as always, uh, that presents some challenges for the market to be so dependent on one country and a country that sometimes has some issues. So uh, China uh, still plays a big part here. Absolutely, China is not going to be, certainly not going to go away when we get to 2021. It will always be there. My number three story was uh, something you've already touched on, U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. 
they the best part about that, and we're not going to rehash all of this, they were able to move from their pilot stage to this full-on membership drive in 2020. And it's been very interesting watching the numbers of growers and not just that, but companies and cotton mills that have already joined, already signed up for the membership roster. They had a pretty extensive sessions, uh, training sessions and, and programs for all parts of the cotton belt here over the last couple months. Uh, I suspect attendance was pretty good at those. And they've already joined in some collaborations with several other complementary global programs for sustainability. So it's uh, it's been a big year for the trust protocol. And, and my impression is it's really just getting started at this point. Yeah, it seems really interesting to me for the retail brands, the fashion brands, that message just seems like it should resonate well. And, and to to have a unified front coming at that with that uh, unified message, I think is, is uh, really interesting. And it'll be, be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, it was, I think at one point before the protocol was really officially put in place, I, I, could, I could count at least five different sustainability programs that were all trying to do basically the same thing. So uh, this one seems to have some traction in terms of actually delivering what the, uh, what the markets are looking for. So, uh, you know, kudos to, to the folks behind the protocol, the folks who are running it on a day-to-day basis. You know, it's, it's, going to, it's going to be a good thing for the industry. There's no question about that. What you got for number two, Frank? I have a feeling some of this, we may have some similar items here coming up. <laughs> um, <laughs> we may, we may. Um, number two, I would have to say the uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals vacating of the three dicamba herbicides uh, right in the middle of the weed control season. Resistant pigweed, as we all know, is the beast that rules the roost in the cotton weed world. And not having those herbicides uh, could have been disaster in some areas, certainly. And uh, luckily, the EPA allowed growers to use their existing stocks. And by and large, I think it, uh, you know, averted disaster. I'm sure there were some some weeds to be pulled uh, this season, as there is every season. But that was all blowing up fresh on my return to cotton. So it may, certainly made things interesting for me and I know everybody else in the cotton industry. Well, you know, and, and I have that as my number two story also. And, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's interesting, not only from the perspective of, uh, you know, the timing on it, it almost seemed like, I, I, I remember when the story first broke in early June and it, it didn't seem like there was certainly no big splash about it. Uh, you know, it's sort of like it kind of snuck onto the, you know, onto the, the news radar. And, and I guess in reality, then after you talk to people in the industry, it's like it snuck up on everybody. Uh, I think I, I recall in our last podcast, when we were talking with Stanley Culpepper, you know, and he was saying, if EPA hadn't been able to step in and, and, you know, provide use of existing stocks that, you know, I think the word he was using for Georgia was a cat- catastrophe at that point. So yeah, that was, you know, that was certainly a huge, huge news item. And I think then you could also tie in the subsequent re-registration of these products that happened in October, uh, obviously with some new restrictions, but it, uh, at least there's something there. Now you've got, uh, you got these products for five years. Uh, there are some things that growers are going to have to learn to work with, uh, again, to use these products. The training will be there again this winter. And, uh, and certainly it's, I think everybody's breathing a sigh of relief that, uh, that these products are, are ready and available for them to start their planning their weed control programs for 2021. 
one personal anecdote when it comes to pigweed I'll add to that conversation is uh, I live in Florida and I drive on, drive home up to Georgia for uh, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas every year and my home is in Dooley County, Georgia, right there in the middle of cotton. And I would, around 2006, 2007, on that drive home on Thanksgiving up Interstate 75, I began noticing the pigweed in the cotton fields. And I was like, what in the world is going on? And um, that was as that resistant pigweed population was beginning to blow up there. And that, that trip every year up I-75, I would notice those pigweeds, but then some years back, I began to notice that those same fields were less and less pigweed and less and less pigweed every year on that drive. And I was like, well, the growers obviously are getting control of this problem. And, and of course, the dicamba program and good pre-emerge program has helped help them get a, get a control of it. It would have been a real shame had they lost those tools and, you know, that seed bank get built back up again in one season, you know, really diminishing all that hard work that took years for them to get under control. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, again, when you talk to any of the weed scientists, they'll tell you if, you know, if we don't keep this thing, if we don't keep these programs going the way we've got them moving at this point with residuals and, you know, the right product at the right time in the right place. And it wouldn't take any more than one year to blow those seed banks right back up again so uh again it's good to have all the uh, have all the products back in the arsenal all the tools in the tool belt as they say and uh and ready to go for next year all right number one frank number one i think that's a pretty obvious choice this year uh the year of the coronavirus covid19 um you know it impacted everyone uh you me tyler here our producer that's recording it has uh, been quite a year. Cotton growers kept the kept things moving. The Jenners kept things moving, and and from what I understand, largely averted any any large outbreaks. Uh, cotton growing for some is a you know fairly solitary family type operation, so that helped in some regards. It certainly tops my list as. Uh, maybe one of the top stories of my lifetime for sure. Well, I'm, I'm right there with you on that, that, you know, COVID-19 was top my list as well, because to be honest with you, you know, I can't think of any other single thing that has impacted all aspects of our industry and our lives than this has this year. I mean, when you think about it, just look at it from, from a cotton grower's perspective. It has, it has impacted our markets. It's impacted demand. It's, which, leads to impacting prices. Uh, it has impacted how we conducted business. Uh, you know, not only from, from, you know, from our personal perspective, working, working from homes and, and, and dealing with, with a lot of things on Zoom and, and Skype. And man, I wish I'd bought some stock in Zoom back, you know, early last year when, before all this <laughs> took off, but as a side note there. But, you know, it, it's changed everything you know, in terms of how growers have dealt with the retailers and how what retailers have had to do to adjust for this. It has, you know, it has impacted farm economics in ways that we may not even be aware of yet. And again, certainly it's, you know, what it's done to the overall health, uh, not just physical health, but I think in some cases, even the mental health folks, you know, not only in our industry, but, but everywhere. So it's a great big umbrella with a lot of stuff under it this year. Hopefully, you know, it's looking, it's looking better now. The vaccines are, are coming out onto the market. Let's get our the the people who 
who are on the front lines uh, get their vaccinations first, and then uh, let's all line up and do what we need to do to get uh, get ourselves protected and over this. Yeah, and I, I would just add that uh, as bad as it has been and continues, we are pretty amazing, resilient people, and to to be standing as well as we are standing through all this is a testament to the country and the world, really, for that matter. But, um, you know, I think these vaccines promise good things. And, and again, we've learned so much about there's different ways of doing businesses, uh, doing business, and uh, we've adapted to those ways. And once this is all behind us, I think we've a lot of the stuff that we've learned will be continue to be a part of our daily lives and practices. Yes, I, I think so too, that, you know, some of this stuff is just not going to go away. We've discovered ways to become more efficient and to, uh, to get things done without having to, uh, you know, to climb in a car, climb in a truck and, and, and drive somewhere uh, to get it done. And certainly when it comes to meetings as well. Although you, you ask any grower and, and ask, ask you and me and, and other people in our industry, man, we, we, we kind of miss going to meetings a little bit at this point, but you know, hopefully we'll get that squared away and we'll all uh, all be able to gather in, in a cotton field somewhere this this summer. You know, a year ago I, or a year and a half ago, I probably would have said, man, I don't know if I agree with that about going to meetings, but um, I'm missing them now. So I'm ready, I'm ready to get back. I dare say get back on an airplane and go somewhere. No, no, that's that's the one thing I'm not missing is getting back on airplanes. So, that's you know, we'll 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 adjust as we need to. But, you know, I'm not I'm not in any hurry to get back to an airport at this point until it's absolutely necessary. But anyway, I guess there, that's it. You know, that's kind of our unvarnished thoughts on, on what made 2020. Well, you know, 2020, I, I guess, Frank, it's time we just kind of wipe the slate clean and, and be ready to start over here. January one. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a fun year working with you and getting back in the cotton fold and working with the cotton growers and the related industry stakeholders. Uh, is as challenging as 2020 has been that has been a bright spot for me i'm actually surprised you didn't have one of your new one of your top stories in terms of challenges actually doing this podcast yeah that's true that's true i, I still find i still find it interesting that you have two guys who are trained as journalists print journalists and writers sitting in front of microphones twice a month to you know to put something like this together but you know it, it's actually become very enjoyable and uh, and particularly when you know again a big thanks to all of our guests for this year who have joined us to, uh, you know, to, to share their messages and, and explain things to us and, and everything. We've, we've had some, we've had some good programs and we've had some good discussions and we look forward to bringing more to you uh, next year. Yeah. And then there's a very good reason. This is a podcast, not a uh, video, <laughs> video presentation. I won't say what that is exactly, but I think yeah, you might have the idea. We're both made for radio. Once again, that wraps up this episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your farmer friends about this podcast. Here's how you do it. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. 
Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Well, the January issue of Cotton Grower is on press right now and should be hitting your mailboxes around the second week of the new year. And it includes the results of our annual acreage survey and the announcement of our 2020 Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award recipient. And we'll have plenty to say about both of these topics when the Cotton Companion returns in January. This podcast is produced by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues back at the world headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely and snowy Willoughby, Ohio. My name's Jim Stedman. His name's Frank Giles. And we'll be back with you again in early January to kick off a new year of the Cotton Companion. Until then, we wish all of you a safe and joyful holiday season. And be sure to give 2020 a good kick on its way out the door. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farmer. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farmer. Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of The Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com. Whoa.